welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today's guest, Erin, is a seasoned professional and expert in leadership, diversity, equity, inclusion, and training. With over a decade of leadership experience across multiple business sectors, including call centers, insurance administration, and mortgages, he's been able to hone his true passion at each stop, developing and supporting the growth of people. Aaron currently serves as a diversity and inclusion coach for United Wholesale Mortgage, the nation's leading mortgage lender, where he helps develop and lead the DEI strategy both internally and externally. Aaron is best known at UWM for facilitating engaging workshops and training sessions, conducting impactful one-on-one coaching sessions for leaders, and facilitating the launch of nine team member resource groups. Aaron, I'm so pumped to have you on the podcast today. You sound like a very busy guy, but how is it going? So far, so good. I appreciate you having me. (laughs) Yes. Now, Aaron was one of our lovely speakers at our first summit we had a few months back, and you just have such an impactful story. So as always, excited to dive in. But before we dive into where you're at now, throw it back to childhood. Would you want to be when you grew up? And what was your childhood like? So I've always loved technology. Mm -hmm. So I knew for a fact then that I was going to grow up to be a computer software developer, own my own computer software development company. And so I was IT everything. I loved computers, loved video games, built my first computer when I was like 12. Just started buying pieces, reading up on stuff. When I went to Wayne State, I went for computer science and I was going to go into computer programming. But, you know, my path ended up changing, left Wayne State, didn't graduate, and then got into the world of working which then led me in the totally opposite direction of instead of working with computers, I work all with people, you know, kind of a hybrid of both, but just definitely a 180 from where I thought I was going to be. And not to tell your own story, but didn't you go to college at a very young age too? Uh, Yeah, I graduated young, graduated when I was 16 and went to college, but that's a a whole different piece of the story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you want to share it, I find it very fascinating, but I'd love to hear that part of it if if you don't mind. Yeah. So ultimately, when I graduated and went to college, it was a little bit of a challenge because I was promoted or, you know, I guess double promoted is what they called it early on in like middle school. So I was already on the young side because I have a late birthday. I was born in October and then I was double promoted. So I was a grade ahead, but really almost like two grades ahead. So when I graduated, like I had the mental capacity to do all the work, but I wasn't I honestly, truthfully wasn't mature enough for the college life. Uh, So I ended up doing a lot of skipping, playing a lot of video games, made a lot of great friends. A lot of those friendships I still have to this day, which is is phenomenal. And I mean, honestly, that was kind of the best part about it. So I kind of got that piece of the college experience, which was the networking piece. And a lot of my friends work in different industries, a couple kind of in the same industry. So it's been nice being able to have that connection. But knowing that I was too young there, like, I I didn't get my degree because honestly, I just wasn't ready. But that ultimately launched me into the other pathway, which is I started working. I started working in a call center, which, you know, a lot of people with, you know, less experience go and start working there. And that kind of was my launch pad for growth because I was so young and I was able to learn really, really fast, which is what I feel is like kind of my personal superpower. I think everybody, every person, you all have your own personal superpower. And so it's up to you to find how to use it in your everyday life, right? For me, it's I'm an extremely fast learner. So learning something and kind of cutting through the fog to understand the base of it has always been my strength. So it made it really easy for me to learn and get better in the call center, which then led to me being able to get 
promoted there and, you know, go into training really early and kind of work through uh, being a training specialist and moving into a training manager role. So it was a great experience for me there because instead of going through traditional school, I really learned through the college of real life. Yes. So I'm not that old. When you say the, the whole part is like over a decade of leadership experience, what I think, man, I'm like, is that true? Yeah, it is true. But I'm like, there's no way I'm that old because I'm not. I'm only 35. But it's honestly because when I, you know, transition into work world, it just this is what I was taught. It was what I know. My dad came from, you know, a poor family. Like it was all about work. My dad was a hard worker. He graduated. He worked hard for the family. Like that's just how I was raised and taught. So using that to then allow me to, you know, kind of grow and albeit, you know, there were smaller steps in between, but I think all of that stuff, those lessons I learned have really prepared me to do what I do today, both personally and professionally. I love what you said about finding your own superpower. Do you remember a time where you're like, oh, I think this is my superpower and I should take advantage of it? Or is there, I I don't want to say like a pivotal moment when you remembered, but when were you consciously aware that that was your superpower and you should run with it? Honestly, I can't say I was consciously aware of it until just a few years ago. So (laughs) it took a long time. Like I was doing it, but it wasn't until I started to get serious about understanding the content that I was absorbing, what I'm reading, what I'm listening to, and making sure to add more stuff than just the fun stuff. Yes. Because, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with absorbing the fun stuff from a media, a reading, the you know, your cell phone, your doom scrolling. <laughs> there's the fun stuff in there. And that's OK, as long as you plan for some time to absorb something that helps you do whatever it is you want to do. Sorry, I talk in circles. So ultimately, <laughs> what happened was as I was kind of listening to these different concepts, there were a couple of things that stood out to me that people were explaining. There was one video that I saw some great content where someone was explaining about how to understand your purpose or your passion. He said, your passion is most likely whatever it is that you see the world through. So if you, you know, someone talks to you about a movie or they talk to you about a business idea or they talk to you about an event. Let's say you're planning an event or you're working on it. Whatever is the first things that you worry about when it comes to building it is likely what your passion is. So for me personally, I'm very interested in how things are put together. And because of that, if someone were to tell me, uh, hey, there's this business that does this. I need to plan an event to do this. My first mind is going to go to okay, what does the experience look like and what are the pieces we need in order to create the event? Whereas if your passion is people, which, you know, this this is about like kind of passion and skill, superpower together, right? If your passion is people, if someone says, I need you to plan an event, the first thing you might think about are who are the people that we need at this event and what types of people do we need at this event? What types of people are our speakers? That may be the first place you go. Whereas if you're a planner, If that's kind of your superpower, if someone asks you to plan an event, the first thing you're going to think about is you immediately think of a checklist of what are the things we need to do in order to make sure that this can happen. And so it's about like, what's your superpower? How do you apply that into your daily life? And then how are you building a team of people that have the other superpower that you don't? Honestly, it's one of the things that I love most about working with your partner. Tay, she's phenomenal at planning. 
Yes. And we work well together because I'm not a planner. I'm a builder. So I see (laughs) I can take the big steps and I can show you here are the five major things we need to accomplish in order for this to be a success. And she can take each of those steps and say, here are the 17 things from start to finish that need to happen in order for that to go. And so we work together in that standpoint. So like that's the kind of stuff that happens when you find people that have different superpowers than you that can see the, the world through their own passions and then can apply it. I am the you because I am the visionary. I'm the I'll get the people there. But the execution piece, it is not me. So Taylor is great in that capacity for sure, because I'm very much. And there is a oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the book and what it's called. But there's a concept of like the visionary and the executor. So you and I are very much visionaries and Taylor would be more of like the executor of the nine, 17 stuff it takes to get there. But we visualize like, oh, this event, I already see it in full. But I think that's also great to bring up because I think a lot of whether you're 17 or 67 or somewhere in between, it's like you said, you have something you're great at. It's what is that superpower, though? And we're just way too hard on ourselves about it. But it's true. Like, I, I'm more of a screw it. Let's break it. We'll figure out how to fix it. Where some people are like, no, <laughs> I need all the steps to make sure. And what if it doesn't work out? I'm like, we'll figure it out. And I know I stress people out a lot about that, but it's a superpower. It works out, right? Exactly. Yes. Now, taking it back to your career, because I also talk in circles, this will be a lot of fun together. But (laughs) how did you decide on the call center path? And what was that experience like for you? Because I feel like a lot of people have like, oh, call centers, and they just think of like a horrific movie that's just like the doom of a call center. But tell us what your experience was like working in a call center. How did you thrive? Just paint the picture for us, Aaron. Yeah, sure. So this is one of those opportunities where it all depends on your mindset. I didn't know any better. And I was young. I just needed to work. I needed a job. I had multiple friends that worked in this call center and they were like, hey, dude, you can come get hired here. So really going there was not a grandiose decision. It just was like, I need a job. I need to work. So I went there. But when I went there, because I'm interested in how things are built, I'm constantly asking questions about, well, why do we have this process? How are we building this process? Who decided this? And Some of my leadership, because not all leadership is great. That's a whole different topic. (laughs) But I had some leaders there that were like, we noticed that you're very good at this thing. How about you try out this? And so it gave me the opportunity to go into like training part time because being able to take large steps, understand the basics of how they work and explain it to people is the base fundamental of training, because you have to be able to take a large process that you want someone to learn and chunk it out into pieces and be able to get people to absorb that information. So for me, while yes, there was all of the, you know, sour environment, because just being honest, a lot of call centers, uh, especially like in the environment I was in, which was a third party outsourcing. So just to explain that you have call center, for example, if you have, you know, whatever you think of uh, Verizon, DTE, these are cell phone companies. There we go. Everybody knows that. Uh, T-Mobile, Verizon, whoever. You have call centers that are owned and employed by those companies, but then they also outsource some of their call centers to other companies. I worked for one of the other companies, the third party. And so working there, not only is it different because it's much more production and value-based, but they tell you right up front, like, hey, we need you to produce. 
And you're honestly only as valuable as your production. I mean, we support people and they said it, you know, we want you to grow, but they were really looking to get the most out of as little as possible. So for me, it was, I'm this young kid, no experience, but I had the opportunity and the want to do more. So they let me. Why? Because from a grand scheme of things, like it's cheaper to let somebody who kind of has the skill do it than to go and hire outside. So you can look at it as the glass is half empty because this is the type of company that just lets anybody do anything and they're not trying to pay people and the environment is this and is that. Or you can be glass half full and say, well, because all of that's going on, I get a shot to do something that I'm really not qualified for. And that gave me the opportunity to learn really quickly. Again, fast learner. So when I got into that spot and saw the materials that was there, saw the philosophy, I was able to absorb that stuff. And a lot of those lessons that I picked up there, I still use today even though now I'm in a much better environment, a much better workplace environment, but like all of those experiences built on one another. And it was just looking for that opportunity and not focusing on all of the not so great things about working in those environments, because it's there, you know, it's real. I'm, I can't tell you that there were some poor experiences and some difficult days and, you know, people losing jobs for, you know, being laid off or it happens, it happened there. And ultimately, I hope those people had the opportunity to do some of the same thing I did, which was say, I'm in this position right now. This is where I'm at. What can I do with it? What are my next steps that I can take today to help me for whatever I'm going to do tomorrow, which will then help me for whatever I do next week? If it's here at this place, cool. If it's not, that's cool, too. We've got to take action on it right now and figure it out. So I'm like, where do I want to start with the points on this? But every job sucks. I mean, I own my own business. It sucks some days. It does. I'm like, I don't want to answer any questions. Like, no, everyone leave me alone. And I love my employees. They're phenomenal. But your mindset about things, and I'm the biggest hypocrite sometimes too, where sometimes I want to, I don't want to get out of bed and it's fine. But identifying the good of every opportunity, because there is no perfect job. There isn't. I'm sorry. I mean, Correct. on my own company, it's not perfect. There are plenty. But in honing in on that and look at how much you've grown in your career. And I love that you, you brought up the decade of experience. You're like, am I old enough? I thought the same thing. I just realized I have friends that I've been friends with for 25 years. I'm like, are we old enough for that? But I guess we are. So that's concerning. But I feel you on that. <laughs> and I feel like that makes you such a great trainer when you were in that training capacity. So you moved in a call center to help with training, fixing processes, doing all of that. So what was that transition like for you and eventually ending up where you are today? Yeah, so I do believe in the philosophy of luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Ooh. You always have to be prepared for the opportunity of something to happen. Fun fact, okay? <laughs> you can tell, you heard this from me. Anytime there's a company meeting at my job or anywhere, honestly, I always sit in the front row. Why? Because if there's ever an opportunity where they're going to throw away money and give it away, the people in the front row are going to be the people that catch it. Is that ever going to happen? You never know. What? If it does happen and I'm not in the front row, I don't want to be kicking myself then. And worst case scenario, sitting in the front row, like I get to have better eye contact. I see everything. I hear everything. Like, it's fine. But again, that's just kind of my philosophy on how I work. So going back to your question, <laughs> how it transitioned. Every time I was at one place, my goal was to be the best possible whatever I was at that moment, but always thinking, what's the greater pathway? So, again, my builder mentality is always 
adjusting what our big picture is and what are the steps to get there. So when I moved into part-time training, my big goal was, okay, I've got some part-time training experience. The big goal is to become a full-time trainer. All right, well, what are the blocks of, of steps that I need to do to accomplish that? Okay, so I need this much experience. I need to build my brand this way. I need to connect with these people. I need to absorb this type of content so that I can speak better to these things so that I can execute better on this. And then eventually when the opportunity came, when there was an interview for a full-time trainer, full-time training specialist, I was able to apply and all of the things I had done to prepare it because I saw that that future, it worked. Like I was, I was able to get it on the first try. And then from there, it was like, okay, training specialist. I'm going to dominate this role. Here's what I can do and learn to be the best possible trainer at this time. But also taking at that moment to reflect and say, all right, what's my big goal? What's what's been adjusted? Where do I see my trajectory? Okay, I could probably become a training manager from here or I could go into this type of management or I could do this. So what are the things that I can do right now to make me the best possible candidate for all three of these so that whichever one comes available and makes the most sense? I'm already fit for it. So it's, I had to change the content I was absorbing. I had to change some of the trainings that I was going to for myself. Cause I love like, again, vast learner. So I love short form learning content because when I read it, I can get it the first time or the second time. I love video content. I'm a big fan of TikTok. Don't tell anybody. I am too. <laughs> I'm selfishly, I don't even care. I've learned so much about myself and everything. I don't even care. Preach. I love it too. Yeah. And it, once you fine tune it to what you want, it's phenomenal. But you have to have the brain of absorbing content quickly and being a short form learner. So mine is I've learned a lot of tool tips, how to fix a bunch of things around the house, some quick hacks in the kitchen because I love to cook and some ideas on raising children. Like that's the majority of Perfect. TikTok is plus some sports highlights. There's the fun. Of course. I have some of that in there. But again, it's adjusting my own, like, how can I adjust this to feed my superpower? So doing the same thing at those steps. Okay, now I'm absorbing this kind of content. I'm going out of my way to meet these types of people that have these positions to learn from them for this. How did you get here? What did you do? Asking those questions, absorbing that content. Because as a builder, how did we put it together has always been where my mind goes first. So once the opportunity came, there was an interview available for a training manager, applied, was able to get it, and they hired me kind of first try. But again, it's just kind of a repeat cycle of what can I do to be the best possible version of whatever role I'm in at that moment, regardless of the role, and what's my vision long term, and how can I make sure that the stuff I'm doing right now is preparing some piece of me to be great there. That even goes to like interviewing. I think interviewing is a skill in itself that a lot of people, you have a whole lot more experience than you give yourself credit for. You just have to know how to pose it. It doesn't matter where you work. Being a leader and developing people is something you do, whether you work in a kitchen, whether you work in an office, whether you work at home, you're an at-home daycare specialist. You have, it doesn't matter. There are pieces of your life experience that you're doing that prepare you to answer whatever questions they give. I Please. Rewind and go listen to that 500 more times, everyone that's listening, because it's true. It's I oh, I'm trying not to go on a tangent about it, but it's so true because what may stick out to someone else is not something you may think 
was important. I mean, I remember on the interview train, I remember my, I know it's throwing it back to my internship, but I had worked in a restaurant. I was like head hostess and I was the head trainer. And it was just like, you know, a high school, college job, whatever. And when I went for my internship interview, I remember the president of the company goes, he goes, oh, you were head trainer. Oh, that's great leadership. And you'd be great in recruiting because you're able to explain processes and everything if you're able to be the head trainer at 18 years old. I'm like, oh, I guess I never thought of it that way. But it's true. It's, again, so many important skills. If you're a stay-at-home parent, if you started your own business or just you trained your dog. I mean, there's so many skills that not everyone can do. 100%. Oh, that's such a great point. I love that. I'm going to steal that. It's great. Please do. <laughs> I will. I will. We need to get some tea. You've had a lot of good nuggets to put on T-shirts here, Aaron. Come on. <laughs> I, I need to start another business here. Jeez. <laughs> now, your story of how... You came about in the diversity, equity, inclusion role at UWM is one of my favorites I've heard from you because you just it's just so matter of fact. It makes sense hearing how you are of how do things work or how do they come together? So don't want to spoil it. But with this opportunity, so you get into training and development, you obviously kick ass at it. How does this role that you're in now come about? Yeah, so uh, fast forward past training and development, I move into an operations manager role at another company. Then I joined the company that I'm with today as a business innovation specialist. So in that role, literally rotating teams throughout the company for a year to learn about the company, but also to give feedback from an external professional perspective. So during that time, I made a lot of connections around the company and met with a lot of people, which is great because a lot of roles you'll go into, you can become very siloed if you're not making an effort to, you know, branch out. So then from there, uh, became a leader in kind of an operations team. It was almost like an, a help desk escalations team and then separated out and then became a leader in a capital markets team working with the lock desk, working with mortgage rate locks. And at that point is when <laughs> I know it's, it's a wine. I'm like over here. <laughs> but, but again, it's all about taking a piece from each one. Right. So what happened was the opening came up for the diversity and inclusion coach role at our company. President actually went on a, a webinar and announced it. And at the time, I'm like, what, what is that? What, what does that role do? Because I'll tell you right now, I'll be the first one in a minute. I am not a DEI expert, as in 20 years of experience, have been working in this profession for years. No, but I am a fast learner, great with people and great at figuring out how to put things together. So when the role came up, I'm like, well, what does this role do? What does it mean? And when I read the, the description for it, there were a lot of things like work strategically with business units to help implement the DEI strategy, uh, have one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions, uh, you know, facilitate training. And so a lot of the things that were listed were really more skills-based and not specific task-based. So, you know, sometimes when you look at roles, it's like when you're in this role, you're responsible for moving widget from point A to point B, you're responsible for responding to these emails. For the, This was a lot more uh, overall skill-based, which told me that whoever gets this role will have the opportunity to kind of build this from the ground up for the company. Because our company has always had DEI efforts, but they've never been centralized to a specific person or team. So seeing that really piqued my interest because I'm like, wait a minute. So there's an opportunity for whoever to take this role to build something that could be amazing builder. So again, of course, that 
gave me red flag, like not red flag, green flags. Green flag, <laughs> yes. And so from that point, I said, wait, I need to understand more about this because this is intriguing. So at that point, time to change my content, the stuff that I'm listening to, the stuff that I'm reading, the short form videos, the articles. I'm starting to read a whole lot about DEI and trying to learn very, very fast because that's what I do. And so upon reading a lot of content in a short period of time, it was about two or three months. When I saw it and I finally, like it kind of clicked one day at home, I'm like, I think I understand what our company needs from a DEI perspective. And so I kind of just started whiteboarding, you know, for myself at home. And I ended up coming up with kind of a four point plan of how I think we should address DEI at our company. Now, again, this is not me saying that I have all the answers because I don't. This is me absorbing all of the content, thinking about the strategies that have been successful at other places, what's worked, what hasn't worked so much, what other people say works well, what other professionals have got, like putting that all together and then adjusting it for our company. And so I applied, I ended up interviewing with our chief people officer and the senior vice president of you know, team member services, which is our HR interview. The interview went well, I presented the plan. And then kind of at the end of the interview, I said, hey, listen, I want to be very honest with you all because I love this company. I love what I do today. If what you're looking for in this role is someone to just kind of be a talking head, then don't hire me because I have no interest in doing that. I love what I'm doing. And I will if you say, Aaron, we're okay with it. We're going to move forward without it. No harm, no foul. I will have no sour feelings and I'll go back and be the best leader of this lock desk that you'll ever have. And. Obviously, they were with that plan, so they hired me for it, uh, and that's what's led me to where I am today. What a great story, too, because whiteboarding, I feel like you have to keep doing I've done more whiteboarding or just like a journal or I slack myself messages all day, every day. I move, from, I move from texting myself to slacking myself now, my to-do list. That's great. <laughs> I might have to try that. I'm still, I'm still behind. I, I text message myself. No, you can remind yourself, too. You could set a little reminder and the little bot will bother you. Be like, Aaron, you told me to remind you nine hours ago. It's the best. Oh, I'm trying it. I love it. <laughs> you and I sound very similar with how we work and think of ideas. So it's life changing. But just whiteboarding a plan. All the ideas are up here. People just don't take the time to do it or expand upon like you're talking about your passion or what you're into. I mean, all the ideas and the answers are up in that brain of yours. It's just taking yeah. the time to put it on paper pen to paper, pen, whatever, marker to board. But yeah. <laughs> now what does your role look like now? And what, cause I feel like a lot of people don't understand what does a diversity inclusion coach do or what does your day-to-day look like for UWM? Okay. So I can't speak to other DEI coaches because right. what I've come to learn is DEI looks vastly different at every company. And I mean, from the types of things you talk about to what types of training you do to it is vastly different from each company. Right? right. So for me, leaning into my own superpowers as a fast learner, a people person, so a, a trainer and having a builder's mentality, the things that worked best for me and the things that I do today. Uh, so I'm heavily involved in training. So there's a lot of both leadership training and team member training that I do. Uh, so fostering an inclusive environment is it's the responsibility of everybody in the company, right? Which means I have to make sure that everybody from our president on down understands 
the concepts and the actions and the behaviors behind fostering an inclusive environment. I'm a big, big, big fan of taking these kind of floaty concepts like diversity, DEI, inclusive environment, representation. We have to be able to take those floaty words and turn them into consistent behaviors. Yes, that's what the concept is, but how does that apply to what we do day to day? So there's a lot of focus from team members on here are the things that you can do and here are the things that our company offers and that we do to support DEI. And then especially our leaders, I do leadership training and leadership coaching. So training that's focused specifically on our leaders to say, here are the things, here are the concepts. Let's understand what the concepts are. Now let's talk about specific scenarios in which you can apply them. Let's talk about things that you can do on a day-to-day basis or behaviors you can exhibit for your team members to help enable an inclusive environment because it honestly has to be enabled. It's, it's owned by everyone, but it has to be enabled by our leaders. I'll give you an example. One of the big values of our company is being able to challenge the why. We're very big, and I'm not spoiling any proprietary information by saying that. Challenging the why or really seeking like, what's the next alternative? Why do we do this? Is this something that we've done just because that's how we've always done it? Or is it because that's what makes sense? And does it still make sense? That's one of our company's values in how we're constantly evolving, creating new technology, new offers for clients, new this, new that, right? And we always say we want team members to be able to do that. Now, if that's posted on your whiteboard and it's on the the website and it's on your company TVs, that's great. But if the moment that your team member asks your leader and says, hey, why do we do this? I think there's a better way to do it. The way your leader responds to that person in that moment tells them if they're on a team where challenging the why is acceptable or not. It doesn't matter what the company says and what's on the flyers and billboards. If when your team member comes to you and attempts to challenge the why, your response is, that's, that's just how we've always done it. Don't worry about it. Just do it. So inclusive behaviors are how we as leaders and people respond to each other on a consistent basis. That's what tells people this is a place where I can thrive regardless of what I look like. And then you get into the other stuff of talking about, okay, how do you respond to someone from this community and understand that historically, when someone from this community is told this, this is what they may have experienced outside of the workplace and why we have to be more careful about how we approach it here and what we say. That's that cultural competency, another term that's thrown out, but it's all about how do we apply it and make it real into actions and behaviors. Oh, sorry. That was only two of the things I do. So that. that <laughs> <laughs> He's got more. Training, coaching, training team members. I do a lot of one-on-ones. So talking to team members, because a lot of the content that I publish, because I publish articles, short form articles on different concepts, kind of built an internal DEI library where team members, if there's anything I want to learn about from a microaggression to the neurodivergent community, to black history, to we want there to be a library of short form articles that say, hey, here's the basics of this concept. Here are some places where you can go to find experts and read more deeply into it if you want. So there's building the library and then there's partnering with the large scale business units to provide actionable insights based on data. How are we using some of the things we have, what our company looks like? How are we uh thinking about the things that we offer to our team members, who's using them the most, where do we have more opportunity to promote them better? Like, so that's kind of in a nutshell what I do. Each day looks different, but that's kind of, again, 
Those are my big steps. So everything that I'm doing is kind of feeding into one of those buckets. And the part on neurodiversity, the part on how you don't respond with, oh, we've always done it this way. I mean, that is one of the top reasons I hear from my day-to-day job why people are leaving companies of, oh, I want to make change and I just keep getting told that we've always done it this way. Or understanding, and I get now why I never thrived in a cube environment, because I always I always hated harsh lighting. Always did. And we would turn off the lights in our office when our boss wouldn't be there. <laughs> and now learned on TikTok what neurodiversity is in the last two years. I'm like, oh, this is me. This is this makes sense. <laughs> but it's so key because you work with so many different people and it's just made me rethink all the training I had to go through of, oh, let's learn what a front-end developer and a back-end developer does in the same two-hour modules. And I'm short-form videos. I'm like, tell, like, quiz me on it. Let's talk about it. Let's do a presentation on it. But no one learns the same. No one grasps information the same. So why would you want to do it the same? So I appreciate so much what you're doing. And I wish everyone truly took this approach that you're doing to your role of, yes, the cultural competence that's 100% huge, but thinking about different generations, thinking about different backgrounds, thinking about what does that really mean and understanding that taking the time to freaking learn it. Uh So I'm like stepping on the soapbox, but I'm stepping down. I'll come back down, Aaron. But It's all right. Please do. Now, what excited things, do you have anything exciting happening in the next year or what you're looking to get into or without giving away the trade secrets and all, but anything you want to talk about, I want to give you the space to do that. Sure. Uh, Let's see. So, From a workplace perspective, just being absolutely honest, and this is something that I learned from the president of our company. So our company, and I'll tell you, a lot of the stuff that I'm giving you, it's stuff that I've absorbed, but have learned from this company because it it really is, it's a very different environment than what you'll experience at a a lot of other places. Something that I learned from our president, I met with him, this was one of my first talks with him that he explained, he said, I said, What's, what are your three-year, your five-year goals? And he told me, he said, I think it's great to set some three, five-year goals, but I'll be honest with you, man. I don't know where we'll be in three to five years. I'm trying to figure out what we can do between now and the next three months. And he told, he told me, he said, Aaron, if there's stuff that we can do next year that will make a difference for our business or our people, why am I waiting until next year to figure it out? We're going to figure out how to do it this month or within the next three months. So his perspective is we have a five-year plan, a three-year plan, a one-year plan, but the majority of his his energy is spent, what can I do in the next three months? And that was phenomenal for me because like the guy is is wildly successful and it's not just one of those, you know, nepotistic, you know, silver spoon stories. Like if you meet the guy, if you were here and you saw like how often he's around and what he does and how much stuff he's involved in, that is one of the most amazing president and CEOs I've ever worked under. So I got to give him kudos for that. But that was one of the lessons that I took from him. So I'm constantly thinking about what am I doing today, this week, this month, and the next three months that feed into that bigger plan. So from a workplace perspective, I'm thinking about the content that I'm building today, the training that I can build in the next three months, and how they fit into the pyramid of what I'm trying to build for a knowledge base for our team members. Uh, Personally, I do have 
my own kind of venture. So I'm a big believer in side hustles. I think everyone should have a good side hustle. Yes. Uh, one, because it's great to take some of your passions and turn them into business because you should be able to monetize in your passion. If you monetize on your passion and it has the potential to turning from being a side hustle into a full time, that means now you're truly in a space where your work is something that's fun for you. And you only get there by starting to do something about it now. Again, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. So my long-term personal plan is I do want to get into real estate. Uh, and one of my pathways there is right now I do property management. So I have a property management company that I work and own on the side of here. And then in the other part of that is really my family, investing in my, my family, investing time into my children. So my wife has her own company. It's called Summer Joy Design and Consulting. My company is called A. Scott Consulting. So Aaron Scott, Scott's my middle name. My wife is Summer Joy Design and Consulting. She does a ton of customized craft work and stuff in general. Like Ooh. she makes some phenomenal stuff. Look her up on Instagram and you'll see kind of the, the highlights, but she does everything from custom mugs to stickers to notebooks to, I mean, the, lots of t-shirts, bags. So like all types of stuff with that. Right. And then there's my children. I try to invest a lot of time in preparing them for the future. So like right now, both of my older kids, so I've got a 10, a five and a two. My two older kids are young actors and an actress, you know, commercials. They've done uh, a couple movies. They've done print work. And just recently, like my son was in a float uh, for the Thanksgiving Day Parade in downtown Detroit. He was on the float. He was kind of the the star with so he showed up on TV. And then the same day, he was in a commercial with Barry Sanders for uh, the Thanksgiving day. It was like a Detroit Lions and Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, joint commercial, but it was called Play 60. It was promoting the kids' play program. But that aired, you know, I think, four or five times throughout the Thanksgiving Day game. So trying to build his resume so that he's prepared, so that if the opportunity yeah. comes for something larger, like it's all there. Didn't know that was your son. I know exactly what commercial you're talking about. That's so funny. That's awesome. Badass. We have to get his autograph now before he makes it big. So Deal. that's awesome. <laughs> that's so great, too, because taking the time for each facet of your life, I mean, it's hard. I mean, full-time job where you are the one running the strategy for the entire company on this diversity, equity, inclusion, running your own business on the side, doing speaking engagements, having family, like it's a lot of work. And I just want to give you credit and kudos for that because I don't think a lot of people do it well or just prioritize what's important. So huge kudos to you. But Aaron, you've been incredible. But as we wrap this up, what advice do you have for listeners? Ooh, let's see. <sighs> okay, if I had to pick, I'm going to give two, all right? Okay, two for one special. We've already talked about luck, is when preparation meets opportunity. So always think about how you're preparing, right? So the first piece is find your superpower and use it, feed it, develop it, understand what it is that makes you, you. And usually you know what it is, you can feel it, but you may need some help being able to explain it or find it. But once you find it, sharpen it, feed it, absorb content, read it, do whatever you have to do to feed it because it will help you do whatever else you do. And then the second thing would be every place that you're in in life, no matter where you're at, there is a learning opportunity that will feed whatever your next step is. You just have to look for it and you have to find it. 
I promise you the glass is always half full. Sometimes it may be an eighth full, but that eighth, <laughs> 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 get real. Oh, yes. that eighth is a real, that eighth is there. Find it because that eighth might be what you need to fill up your next cup. I like that. I like that thought process. That's awesome. Aaron, wow. So good. You like drop the mic on this podcast. I don't even know what to say, but this is great. You have been incredible. For those of you listening, if you want to check out Aaron, I included all of his links. Head to the show notes and tune in again next week for another episode of That's Business. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.